welcome in Liam Harobin from Oilers Nation. Liam, first of all, thanks for doing this after a late start like this. So what would your schedule have been kind of last night with a, a late game? And then obviously early this morning, you're not exactly crawling out of the rocket quarter after seven, are you? Thursdays are my eight thirty wake up time. Oh, so it was it was a uh, it was a bit of a grind to to watch that game, and then I think I got home at like midnight after watching it, and then I down in Arizona the last day too for on oh. vacation. It's, yeah. uh, the sleep is, sleep has been lacking. I would be lying if uh, if I told you otherwise. <laughs> so the Oilers Nation vacation in in uh, Arizona, a lot of fun. What was it like? It was amazing. Yeah. Um, the the rink itself is obviously is what it is. Like it's it's very small, and NHL teams probably shouldn't be playing there unless it's like a preseason game in a small town or something like that. But the vibes around it and just the amount of Oilers fans are there that traveled from from everywhere. We had people from Newfoundland, uh, BC, New Hampshire, a bunch of fans from Utah, which was quite funny, come down and <laughs> and watch the game. So it was just great to to be around the atmosphere and. See the Oilers come back, and obviously a, a bad second period that game, which just made the game more entertaining when they came back and won it all. Man, it is sure funny. Uh, Liam Hurlbin from Oilers Nation, our guest, the difference between productivity between the second and third period, and if people could, uh, the coaching staff could put a finger on it, they would change it in a second in the second period and then uh, continue on in the third. But what do you make of it? it it just seems like they really shut off. And I know that's a very simple answer, but it's just the effort seems to really just decline. The mistakes just just happen over and over again. It just seems like for that second period alone, they just go back to the problems they had earlier in the season where they were just, they weren't anticipating plays very well. And it comes down, it's two on ones. And then the blame gets put on the goaltender. But in reality, I know that goal uh, from Brad Marchand wasn't great last night from Skinner, but a lot of the stuff that happens right in front of them is really the issue. So they just need to kind of calm down, I think is the way to put it, and try and just, just play a simple game. They sometimes just overcomplicate things, I, I found in the second period. And in the third, they just come out guns a-blazing, and it's, I don't know what happens to them. I don't know what kind of energy drinks are taken in the, <laughs> in the second intermission there to get going, but it seems to work. But it'd be nice if they would stop allowing three goals in that second period. It kind of actually started last five, six minutes of the second period. That's when the Oilers kind of took over the game, if you want to call it, as far as, you know, um, productivity, goals. I mean, they tied it up, uh, you know, to make it uh, 4-2 on a goal by uh, Warren Fogle, his second of the game. But, you know, if they they probably played their best hockey, to be honest with you. That that four four minute shift, they rolled over the lines at the end of the at the at the end of the second period, where they were just dominating uh, Boston. But what did you make of the comeback? I guess in the third, I thought it was very impressive what they were doing, and and it was it just came through effort. I found they were getting a lot of a lot of shots to the net, and then obviously Swayman, everything was bouncing off him, and then they were able to get some rebounds. And it was simple hockey, right? Like, that's all they were trying to do is just funnel pucks in the net and then see what happened from there. Caused a little bit of chaos. All five of the other goals came from right right around the goal. And I think that's just what the key has to be for them sometimes is to simplify the game. And that's what happened in, in the third period. And there was one shift in particular, sorry, one play in particular, I think really stood out to me and it seems like a really small one. But Ryan McLeod came off the bench after the Oilers kind of hemmed him in his own a little bit. 
and just basically burst right through his guy and got the puck back. And I think that was just a real example of of what they were they were doing, a good amount of energy. And then I think the play from Evander Kane, which led to the Pasternak goal, mm-hmm. was was kind of the issue that they run into in the second period, right? Just a little sloppy. Like, he had full control of that puck. He had the opportunity to to bring it out of the zone and do a little chip and then go for you change them. But just a bit sloppy led to a goal. And I think the others would have won that game, honestly, if it wasn't for that play. Yeah, I mean, that it's 4-4. You have the momentum. They did come back to make it 5-5. I put a little blame on Corey Perry on that play as well. I mean, Evander Kane's looking at him, and Perry's wide open and uh, doesn't get the boots moving. Neither of them had had the boots moving on that play. Same with Leon Dreisaitl trying to clear the zone, and that resulted in the Pasternak goal. What did you make of, uh, Liam, the fact that Ryan Nugent Hopkins didn't play, and there was a much much different look on the power play? Yeah, they really change up the power plays when Nuge isn't there. And it seems like Kane plays more in the middle with Hyman in like a high tip role, I mm-hmm. guess. And it did seem like at points they didn't know how to do it correctly without him, you know. And it just shows how important Nuge and Hopkins is to the, to the team overall. So yeah, you could definitely feel the absence at 5-5. Five and five. Obviously, Warren Fogel stepped up in a big way. And I think that's where he needs to to stay is in that top six. That's where we see the best Warren Fogel. Like, they put him on that third line with Ryan McLeod and Dylan Holloway, and we call them the cardio line at the office because they just basically skate around. They work really hard, and I think all three of them are very, very good players in their own regard, but they just don't score goals. That line actually hasn't scored a goal together all season at 5-on-5, and they've played about 60 minutes of hockey together, maybe even a little bit more now since the last time I checked. So... I think Nuge, the absence of him on the power play was was there for sure. But at 5-on-5, five five, like I said, Warren Fogel did a very good job of filling the void. Liam Herobin, Oilers Nation, our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Dylan Holloway we saw move down the lineup again last night. Connor Brown moved up uh, several times over the course of the game. Where do you see the play of Dylan Holloway this year? I think he struggles with his offensive side of the game and just trying to create things sometimes. I I think that him playing at center too is, is interesting. I think he should stay on that fourth line as a sentiment, just to add a little bit of, add a little bit of speed there with, you know, if you have Derek Ryan and Sam Gagne on that line, it's not exactly, uh, they're not exactly putting wheels around people, are they? So I think Dylan Holloway needs to stay on that fourth line and just be given a bit of a leash, I guess you could say, just to go out and try and play his game. But yeah, the the offense is struggled. I think he has three goals this season. But then you see what he did the other day. I think it was against Detroit, where he shows the effort and the instincts to to drive to the net, and he finds those opportunities. I, he's just a young player, isn't he? That's trying to find his way a little bit. So, but I would keep him. I would keep him down there in that fourth line center position because I think that's the best way first team to have mm-hmm. success. Well, last night's game was very exciting. It was fun to watch. I mean, it's the, the it's the old adage. They always say, you know, the coaches hate games like that. But it was fun to watch as a fan. What did you think of just kind of, you know, just over the course of the, the, the three hours, <laughs> of the, the course of the three <laughs> hours, what was it like just as a fan in your perspective? It was... It was prime Edmonton Oilers hockey. They start out, they give a goal away in two seconds or whatever, like two minutes, yeah. in, and then it's just kind of a roller coaster from there, wasn't it? But you got to love it. Like, how is that not the probably one of the most entertaining games in, in the league this season, right? Like, two of the best teams just going at it. Like, 
usually those games like 3-2 or whatever it may be, right? It's from 6-5, pure entertainment, and it was fantastic. And the thing is, it's, whilst Conor McDavid obviously played really well, it's not like it was McDavid's show. We went out and scored every on every single goal, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was everyone contributing from both ends, and I thought it was an amazing game for the NHL. It's just... It's a shame it started at, what was it, 8.23 or whatever yeah. it was. So half the people on the East Coast didn't even get to see it. So Nothing. It, it was awesome, though. Yeah, we, we touched on that off the top uh, with Liam Robin from Oilers Nation. So uh, the other thing that we uh, discussed uh, in our opener, the fact that the Bruins were down to 5D last night, right off the hop uh, with the injury to uh, Matt Greslick because he took that trip from uh, Ryan McLeod, went into the boards rather heavily and was down for quite some time. And then actually Charlie McAvoy collided with Zach Hyman and he looked to be shaken up quite a bit. McAvoy ends up playing over 30 minutes. Uh, A rookie like Mason Laurie, had three assists, played 23 minutes. Parker Weatherspoon gets in a fight with um, uh, Corey Perry and probably shouldn't have taken the fight at that time of the game, but he did. So just your thoughts on what the Bruins did last night because people are saying this and that, but, I mean, Boston's one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, exactly. It's not like they lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets last night, is it? Like, Boston, they're going to give you a test. And, yeah, that's the fact that Boston went down to five defensemen, like you said, I don't think uh, Parker Witherspoon wanted anything to do with Corey Perry in, mm-hmm. in that moment, but Corey Perry basically gave him no choice. But it was impressive from their front, and I've kind of said this on our show a little bit too. I think that's just the culture of what the Boston Bruins have been able to build over the last 10 years or so, maybe even probably even a little bit longer. Uh, just having that mindset of the next guy up, just keep playing and we'll find a way to win. And, that's what the Bruins do. Like their, their roster actually doesn't look that good on paper. And not to discredit <laughs> them by any means, but I think someone said to me last night they had four players or something like that who have played under 30 games in the yeah. NHL. And they found a way to do it. And I think that's also something that Oilers fans should take away from it as well is when we talk about all these guys that we need from the trade deadline and all this stuff. And, of course, we want the perfect roster. Who doesn't? But... You look at what the Bruins were able to do last night with a not-so-perfect roster and find a way to beat an Edmonton Oilers team at home who I think have lost once mm-hmm. in the last 20-something games. It's about your your presence as a team, I think, more than the players on the ice sometimes. Liam Harobin from Oilers Nation, our guest on Sports 1440. For a second, I was hoping that you could put on your short Park Crusaders hat. We've talked about it all year, but just with the situation that happened, uh, you know, over Christmas and uh, and then into the new year, can you just kind of discuss what, I guess, the reaction's been uh, with the Crusaders, one of the, one of the five teams uh, leaving the AJHL earlier than they'd wanted to, and uh, what the reaction from fans and everything that you see in Sherwood Park? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think saying it's been a crazy time would be a bit of an un- understatement, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, everything went down very, very quickly and unexpectedly. I think it's fair to say, from our perspective, we never, we never said that we were wanted to leave the AJHL. Like, obviously, we went through and did our due diligence of finding out what the BCHL was all about, and then all of a sudden, we weren't allowed to play games anymore, and our players just weren't playing. And, we kind of have to take the action of finding a way to allow them to play. But now we're in the BCHL. Our, our games have been the, kind of unbelievable, to be honest, just the competition of of all these teams that we're playing against now. We played Brooks a couple of weeks ago. I think the final score ended up being 3-1, but it was just a fantastic game of hockey with all the players involved. I think there was almost 30 NCAA players 
on the roster. Uh, yeah, future NCAA players mm-hmm. playing in that game, and they've had great games against Blackfold, Spruce Grove, and Okotoks now as well. And I, I think there's a stigma of we're not going to have Alberta players on our roster or anything like that. It's like, well, if you go back and look, actually, we have more Alberta players than I think it's now five or six of the of the teams left in the AJHL. So. We have no plans to, to move away from kind of our identity of having homegrown talent. Like we're just outside of Edmonton. Yep. We, we're a bit of a hub of it all, right? So our plan is to kind of stick to that and just get the best players available, but also not lose who we are. So a couple of game, big games this weekend against Okotoks and should be a good one, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for our listeners that don't know Liam Hrobin, uh, scout with the Sherwood Park Crusaders, and what's what was the reaction when the announcement to, was made for the new facility coming up? It's going to be a few years, but must be very exciting for uh, Sherwood Park hockey fans. Yeah, and I think too, like I think people are tired of, of driving out to New Surreptor at seven thirty in the morning <laughs> on a Saturday to, to go and do some practice. So I think it's very welcoming for the the town here to have four more sheets of ice and. It's not going to be hockey stuff too, right? It's probably going to allow us to bring some some concerts and maybe other other events too to to Sherwood Park. And I'm I'm really excited for it to be honest. It's uh, I like the Sherwood Park Arena. I think it's got a lot of character, but mm-hmm. it's been around for a while. And obviously that place isn't going anywhere. But to have a new facility is just going to be just going to be cool. And I think it's a, a good a good example of how hard the the organization has worked over these last like six seven years. To be honest, to try and get this this program to another level and having a rink in a big rink in Shore Park is just going to be that next yeah. step. So it's very exciting. Anything cooking specifically for yourself uh, on Oilers Nation and the crew there in the next bit? Uh, we have our show today, but not too much after that. Just kind of the, the regular stuff. Oh, we have our our BOA watch party this weekend at Greta too, which you can buy tickets at nationday.ca. Mm-hmm. So that should be a lot of fun. Then we have a brunch for Ben in a couple of weeks too on on March 2nd. Matt, all you guys do is party. I mean, come on, man. You're in, you're in Arizona. You got another shaker this weekend. What's up, man? I know. I, they pay us to do it, so I just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Well, good thing the Duke is in there because we'd never see him. Yeah, no kidding. He's always welcome. <laughs> yeah. Liam, thanks for this. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. You too. Have a good day.